Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Welcome back to FOMO Fridays. Yes, this is the time of the week where we love to help you with your fear of missing out. Yes, we, for the, especially for those of you that don't listen to corporate media, uh, we want you to be able to be informed and know what's going on around the world. And so on Fridays, we do FOMO Fridays. And, and really, the fear of missing out is a real thing. I, I've, I've experienced it myself. I know when when I go hiking up into the hills or, or even, you know, just, just driving around, uh, in, 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 within the city that I don't know or something, uh, it's, it's hard to stop. It's hard not to, to want to go to the next corner and see what's around that bend or, you know, see what, this, you know, what that neighborhood over there looks like, or just keep on, you just want to keep on going, I guess. And you, you're, you're afraid you're going to miss out on something. You're afraid that you're, you're, you're not going to, uh, just around the corner, there's going to be a waterfall or whatever the case may be uh, the fear of missing out is a real thing. We want to help with that. Uh, and so on Fridays, what we do is we uh, go through some some stories that, that you may or may not have, have heard about. And we're going to really just kind of get into them a little bit, kind of talk about them and, and have some fun here on Fridays. So uh, the, the first one that we're going to look at here, and this comes, uh, these, these come from the Daily Wire and a number of articles there, but the first one is really, I have to admit, it's low-hanging fruit, okay? <laughs> I will tell you right up front that, that any time that, that, uh, that you, I need something to, to uh, just laugh at or, or just for entertainment value, really, it, it look at the, what the view it has to say. <laughs> yes, that that show, which I don't, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know if I've ever watched a complete show of the View. Uh, I, I probably haven't even watched more than five minutes of the View. But but but, uh, but no matter what, it is low hanging fruit because those ladies on that show are just not the brightest bulbs in the box. It's just the way it is. They say some things, and it seems like they say some things almost every show that you just shake your head and, and maybe, you know, do the palm plant on your forehead. I mean, it's just, for instance, Whoopi Goldberg, who's on the show, Whoopi Goldberg, who, of course, that's not her real name, but, you know, we'll move on from that, claims that overturning Roe violates her religious freedom. Yes. See what I mean? <laughs> I mean, how can you not include this in, in the FOMO Fridays? Uh, yes. Whoopi Goldberg claimed Monday that the, the Supreme Court's decision to overturn the landmark abortion case, Roe versus Wade, constituted a violation of her freedom of religion. <laughs> How do the two go together, right? You may be saying that makes absolutely no sense. And yes, those ladies make absolutely no sense half the time. So here's Gold, Goldberg made the comments during the Monday broadcast of the ABC midday talk show, The View, as we talked about. And she argued that the fact that Roe had been overturned pursuant to the court's decision, of course, in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, meant that she was being forced to adhere to someone else's religion. Okay, let's stop there for just a second. What was the Dobbs decision by the Supreme Court? 
and you can go back, you can go into our archives, you can pull up the, the, the uh, podcast that we talked about this at Uncommon Podcast, uh, UncommonSensePodcast.com. And you can go back and you can listen to what we had to say on the Dobbs decision, both before it happened and after. Now, <laughs> it did not force anyone to adhere to someone else's religion. All it did was actually kind of the opposite. What it did was under Roe, now Roe, you could make that decision, you could make that, that claim. The, the Roe decision, Roe versus Wade, said that states cannot ban abortions. And so that would be you forcing me to adhere to your values and your worldview. But the Dobbs decision said, no, the federal government is not going to do that. We're going to give it back to the states and they, each individual state, can decide for themselves what they want to do with the abortion issue. Now, the conversation on The View started with Vice President Kamala Harris, who claimed during an interview with NBC's Chuck Todd that the court had become an activist court. (laughs) An activist court? No, the court actually took the decision away from the activist court and said, it's not our job. It's outside of our lane. Now, what they were talking about is, of course, they were talking about the, the decision to overturn Roe. That did the opposite again. The activist court is the one that went in and said, you can't do anything with abortion. Uh, Chief Justice John Roberts responded, actually, to this, which was kind of interesting, right? Quote, I don't understand the connection between the opinions people disagree with and the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. Yes, all of our opinions are open to criticism. And in fact, our members do a great job of criticizing some opinions from time to time. But simply because people disagree with an opinion is not a basis for criticizing the legitimacy of the court, unquote. I would somewhat agree with him. And sometimes I I find it hard to find things to agree with John Roberts. But on that one, I think we can agree. Goldberg then weighed in, arguing that because the overturning of Roe impacted the right for women to obtain abortions, she didn't believe it should be a matter of opinion. So, okay, because it is an issue that you feel strongly about, well, it shouldn't be a matter of opinion. You should just side with me, is what she's saying. I mean, can can you interpret that any other way? She said, quote, I mean, can someone's rights be a matter of opinion? She asked. I mean, I think John Roberts is being a bit disingenuous, you know. Yes, America's made some tough decisions, including letting black kids go to school with white kids, letting gay people get married. There are many, many decisions that people freaked out about, unquote. (laughs) How about this? She said, this this one, this last spat of stuff comes from a place of religion, which is not constitutional. (laughs) <laughs> is what Goldberg went on to say. And she went on to to add that, that restricting the right to an abortion was rooted in religion rather than law. 
quote, that's not how we, we are supposed to be doing things as far as I remember. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I think you are. But I don't remember. I thought I was allowed to be who I am. That's why you want to be an American, because you're free to be who you want to be. And other people don't have to like who you are. You just have to make sure you don't get in someone else's business and hurt somebody or kill somebody, she insisted. Now, this is this has become about my religious freedom to make sure that you follow my religion. I don't know that's, that's, I, I don't know that he's, the, the idea that, that he's pretending he doesn't know what's going on is surprising to me, she said. So, so really, when you boil this down, no, the Constitution doesn't say you can be what, whoever you want to be. I mean, there are restrictions and there are laws. And just because something is in the Bible doesn't make it religious. Just because the Bible addresses a certain issue, I mean, for instance, the Bible also says that we're not to steal. And yet, in most places, that's against the law, right? So is that forcing my religion on you by saying that you can't steal, right? I mean, this this is so ridiculous and so ignorant. It, it is mind-boggling how somebody can think this way or... I guess maybe you don't think in order to have this kind of opinion. It's just, it does boggle the mind. And I just had, had to bring it to you. Let's, let's look at another one. Uh, how about the Philadelphia's soda tax has been a total disaster. As we already know, all these soda tax uh, are, are, are disasters. And according to a study uh, that actually looked into this, they agree. Uh, if nanny state bureaucrats went, want their uh, citizenry to be underweight and, and uh, competent, then they need a government that is large and in charge, according to a new study. In 2017, Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney, he was a, he's a Democrat, uh, turned his attention to ob- obesity. Well, I guess... I guess as mayors, we're supposed to turn our attention to obesity. I don't know. When I was mayor, I didn't worry about obesity as mayor. Uh, The city government placed a tax on sugary sweetened beverages in hopes that it would deter sugar consumption. Of course, that's what we're supposed to do as a government, right? According to researchers from the University of Georgia, Philadelphians wound up consuming more sugar from other food items, and even traveled across state lines to buy sodas after that tax was implemented. Shocker, right? (laughs) I didn't see that one coming. As flagged by Georgia Today, the surprising behavior, in quotes, surprising behavior, almost entirely offset the the, uh, decrease in sugar intake from colas and other sweet drinks. Researchers concluded that the answer is not for folks like Kennedy to simply stop trying to socially engineer certain policy outcomes, but for big governments. This is, this is listen to, to what they had to say here. So because this was such a disaster, what their solution to it is this. They said, 
that it's for big government to step in and and circumvent local authority and self-governance. That's what they need to do. What? (laughs) (laughs) They're supposed to... So we're supposed to have the federal government then come in and we're supposed to have them make a tax on sugary drinks and things. Why? Because people are getting around this tax that is just citywide. (laughs) So we can go outside the city and do things. Uh, Quote, can we influence behavior through taxation? Yes, but only if you enact a policy at broader levels of government, such as at the state or national level. See, this is what they're talking about. That prevents people from cross-border shopping. <laughs> this is from Felipe uh, Lorenzo Rojas. He's a, a leader, an author of uh, of the study and, and uh, assistant professor in the School of Public and International Affairs. And he said this in a statement. And he says, uh, the answer is no if you're enacting these policies at the local level. So if you want, so if you're a mayor, you can't enact these policies because they just don't work. But you know, if we if we broaden this out to make it a a whole countrywide thing, oh, then then we can do this. Doesn't that doesn't that run afoul to my religious freedoms? According to Whoopi. <laughs> If that line of thinking sounds familiar, it is because the solution to life's problems is always the same for the lefts. I mean, these leftists, these big government types, with they, they always want more power. Uh, Americans can never be trusted to make their own decisions because we're just too stupid. And, and, and they, they imply that, that, that not so subtly. Do, right? I mean, you you can't be trusted to make the right decision. And and you're supposed to be perfect. And you're supposed to do everything the way that, that they want you to do. They, they, they don't want you eating sugar. They don't want you burning anything that has any kind of fossil fuels uh, to it. They don't want you, they, they don't want you going into, into areas uh, of the, of the forest and you might trample down something. I mean, it's ridiculous. Similar to to COVID lockdowns or whatever social ailment currently plagues society, the usual suspects have a tendency for advocating a a national policy that removes decision-making away from the individual. This is what you see all the time when it comes to leftists. They don't want you to make decisions. They simply want you to be robots. They want you dependent on them. They will take care of you. They will feed you. They will house you. They will tell you what to do. They will tell you what not to do because they know better than you. Their answer to America's problems is always varying forms of socialism. Experts in charge they love their experts, don't they? You've got to go with the experts, tasked with with uh, centrality uh, planning and, and 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 success based on science and data, right? While arrogantly thinking that they can predict the future and control human behavior, even in coming up with alternative solutions, the answer isn't lowering taxes or uh, small, smaller government, according to to uh, you know to them, uh, and and I and I love this quote. 
if we were to subsidize healthier uh, options, especially for these groups, the tax might work better, according to Lorenzo Rojas. He said, quote, subsidizing water, making it more accessible. <laughs> How is water not accessible? <laughs> Particularly in places where tap water is not drinkable. These are things that might be going uh, with the healthier and, and making the healthier choice easier. I think this issue requires more of a magnifying glass into these populations to determine the causes driving excess sugar sweetened beverage consumption. So they want to do more. They want more money. You want, they want you to give them more money so they can study why you drink pop. <laughs> why you, you want to drink these sodas, right? Why would you want that root beer? <laughs> It does not appear that, that the deregulation uh, or lowering federal sugar subsidies is even on Lorenzo Rojas' radar. But why wouldn't it be? I mean, that sort of idea would limit government power, right? These folks do not realize that humans are creative. Humans find new ways of getting what they want. There is always an an, an uh, unintended consequence, and whether it be good or bad, that stems from government policies and human choices. Those unintended consequences are always surprising. Central, central planning, whether it be an, uh, in a, an economy or the amount of sugar that humans absorb, fails because it cannot account for such surprises. The only thing that can account for surprises is capitalism. Yes, capitalism. Capitalism where there is supply and demand. When there's a demand for something, there's going to be somebody that supplies it. Uh, it, it it's, that's just the way it is. Uh, liberty versus tyranny, as someone once put. Uh, it, liberty versus tyranny is is what the, this is about. Do we have the liberty to choose what we want or the tyranny to say, I know better and this is what you have to do? Indeed, with this soda tax study and, and subsequent you know, conclusions, we see how quickly folks on the left go from liberty, allowing individu individuals to choose what they want in their drinks even and, and, and buy without added taxes, to tyranny, advocating a nationwide policy that includes preventing people from cross-border shopping. I mean, it's just ridiculous. All right, let's move on. Texas teacher fired after telling students not to judge people wanting sex with a five-year-old. Yeah. A Texas high school teacher was fired Friday after she instructed students to not judge people for wanting to have sex with five-year-olds. The El Paso School District, led by Superintendent Diana, um, and I, I'm going to slaughter her last name here, but it's it's Saya Vandra, I guess is how you pronounce that. Individually, uh, uh, initially suspended Amber Parker, 53, who taught English at Franklin High School in El Paso. But on Friday, the district voted unanimously to fire her after a thoughtful investigation. Um, and, and a thorough investigation was conducted on September 6th of this year during a special uh, board meeting. The board of trustees approved a de decision to notify Franklin High School teacher of proposed termination. 
this actually was what was said by Chief Communications Officer uh, Lisa Rodriguez. And, and she said that any allegation of potential misconduct uh, is investigated thoroughly and the safety of our students is at top priority. A clip from a TikTok video actually started this. It showed Parker telling her students, stop calling them that. You're not allowed to label people like that. Stop it. Diego, we're on we're, we're not going to call them that. We're going to call them maps. Yeah, M A P S. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Minor attracted persons is what that stands for. So don't judge people just because they want uh, they want to have sex with a five-year-old. So we're not supposed to judge them. According to this high school teacher, we're not supposed to judge people who want to have sex with five-year-olds. How disgusting is that? I mean, I'm not talking about the... I mean, it's very disgusting that you want to have sex with a five-year-old, but just the the... The, the mentality that you would have to have to say, well, I, I, you can't judge that type of person. That person just wants to have sex with a five-year-old. That's all. Love is love, right? I've, I've seen that on, on many a, a yard sign, many a bumper sticker. Love is love. I can, I can love a five-year-old. Wow. It, it was interesting in this that, uh, that, that that this teacher's husband actually came out and said, "Hey, you know, the, the, this is this is uh, taking down her her career. Like she, she's she's had like uh, she's been a teacher for like thirty years." And and he's saying, you know, there's just this 18 second video took uh, t- took down a a great teacher and 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 you know this is wrong. Well this is wrong. What she said was wrong. Yeah. She should not be a teacher. I don't care how long she's been teaching. Maybe she's been teaching too long herself because that kind of mentality that you could actually say to your students that it's okay for somebody to have sex with a five-year-old is just absolutely appalling. All right, let's move on from that. Right. Speaking of appalling, (laughs) James Woods said appalling he he uploads uh, uh uh he unloads over a report that uh, that prosecutors could let 911 planner uh cop a plea, a plea uh yeah so in other words we have some interesting things where the prosecutors right now are thinking about letting the the, the those that that uh um that plan 911 to let them cop a plea. Actor James Wood took to Twitter on Sunday to air his grievance about a report that 9-11 planner, uh, along with um, uh, along with four of his co-conspirators, could be on the verge of a plea deal with the U.S. military uh, prosecutors. Woods took issue with the idea that the terrorists behind such devastating homeland attacks could possibly work out any deal at all. But he also noted the the added insult of the information being reported by the 21st anniversary of the attacks. Quote, to see this headline on September 11th is appalling, Wood said in a tweet that has since been deleted, actually. Uh, why is justice such an elusive concept in America today? I would, I, that's a great question. And we could probably do a whole podcast on that one. Will, will the, the 
um, hideous uh, among us never be held accountable. This is an outrage. And to read about it on this sacred day is an insult to the fallen. I, I, how, how can you disagree with that? I mean, according to reports, we have a number of individuals here who have been negotiating a deal to get the death penalty off the table. They have reportedly agreed to enter plead, uh, guilty pleas in exchange for that concession, as well as for treatment for their uh, abuse claims that they had. That they were um, when they were at Guantanamo Bay, they um, they said that there was some mistreatment of, of them there, and they've been trying to uh, get legal action taken because of that. So <clears throat> they're trying to wrap all of this into one. In conjunction with their uh, alleged efforts to uh, plan and coordinate the devastating attacks, they were uh, that that was executed, of course, on September 11th of of uh, 2001. The five men were charged with crimes including terrorism, hijacking, uh, and 2,976 counts of murder. Um, so, my question here is, how if if I was to go to another country? How would that country deal with me? I mean, you basically you could deal. I mean, you could you could you could ask that about any country. If I was to go to another country and I was to do that, how would they deal with me? Do you think that I I would be able to cop a plea deal? I <laughs> I very much doubt that, and of course I shouldn't be able to. All right. Let's 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 wrap this. I I definitely like to do something maybe a little lighter or whatever um, as, as our as our last story story and, and here's one that I thought uh, might interest you. Uh, this is this is a show that has been very very popular. <clears throat> I have not. Uh, I I've, I've actually started the show. I'm I'm probably I don't know three quarters of the way through uh, the first season. I have not seen the second season yet, but um, but it's called The Chosen. You may have you may have seen it. Um, the chosen, uh, and, and its creator, Dallas Jenkins reportedly spoke to the daily wire about the uses of social media. And if he thinks Jesus would have used it, <laughs> have you, have you ever thought about that? I mean, that's kind of an interesting thought, right? Had it been available in the first century Galilee to spread his message, would Jesus have used social media? You know? It, it's it's kind of one of those things. Uh, you could probably come down on either side. Jenkins, who is the creator and director and co-writer of the fan-supported hit series uh, that explores Jesus through the eyes uh, and life of those uh, close to him, admitted to us the reasons that he thought Jesus probably would have used social media. He said, I do believe that Jesus would have used tools of the day to communicate. The film director shared that, that he said, I, I mean, the Bible is obviously the greatest example of that. When the Gutenberg Press took the Bible to the rest of the world, that that's that was, of course, his will. So I do believe Jesus would have used tools to expand his message, he added. But I also think that there's something very unique to the time that he came. And I think the fact that he came to a small town, the fact that his ministry was actually quite small, relatively speaking, of course, in many ways speaks to the impact that he had. That it started small, that he came primarily initially from the Jews and then it built from there. 
uh, I think there's something that's quite special about that. So, yeah, he probably would have used it. But at the same time, I do think there's something we can learn from the fact that he was just as willing and just as eager to be intimate. The film director also noted that he called the drawbacks uh, to using social media that that he thinks the Messiah would have seen as well. So he said, I uh, and that uh, his Jesus relationship with each person on an individual one-on-one level was far more important than the masses. So you can see you can see him kind of thinking through this, right? You can see him saying that you know uh, that that Jesus would have probably used social media because he would have used the, the times of the, uh, the, the t- tools of the day. I can remember when I was a pastor and I had people. I, I would put together powerpoints uh, for my sermons, and I can remember one time uh, a gentleman came up to me, very well intentioned, a really nice gentleman, but he came up to me and he said you know, I just don't think you should be using PowerPoint. And I said, why? Why would I not use PowerPoint? He said, well, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of Hollywood. And I said, <laughs> you, 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 you shouldn't have to do that. And I said, you know, I, I, I was respectful to him. And I said, you know, I'm going to use every tool that I can to get the message across. If, if, if somebody gets what God is trying to tell them, through that PowerPoint, if that's what it takes, if it takes, uh, you know, somebody who maybe learns better through visual than, than through audible, then great. Then I'm going to use that tool. Even if it takes me an extra hour or two or whatever a week to, in order to put that together, I'm going to do it because I want to be able to use every tool that I can. And that's what it, I think that's what you would see here. Yes, he, it was very intimate. Yes, he he uh, he wouldn't absolutely need it, but I think he would have used it. And and I can see both sides though. And 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 I would love to hear from you. You you may have a different view. I would love to hear from you. You can always do that at uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.